Welcome to the Speaking Words of Life for Educators podcast, where we shine a bright light on your incredible call of carrying the kingdom of God into your classroom, school, and community. It's here that you'll be transformed by the truth of your identity and activated to live the full life Jesus paid for. I'm your host, Jessica Glover, and I warmly welcome you to get ready to be encouraged, strengthened, and activated today in your position in the world of education. I am so glad you're here. Welcome, everybody. I am really looking forward to today's interview with Melinda Wilson. She is now a friend of mine who I actually met through an inner healing session a couple of years ago, and I was working on getting my coaching certification through hundred X and Melinda and Kathy little actually spent some time praying with me, I think at least twice. And I received some great breakthrough as a stepmom now, but I think back now to how, when I was, became a brand new teacher, how I also needed some heart work. And I'll talk about that in a second, but I just want to finish introducing Melinda to you. She comes to us from face-to-face ministries and her and her business partner, Kathy little, and she's also her, her good friend work with people. And they are actually equipping and training others in Carl Lehman's Emmanuel approach inner healing. And they also have a podcast called face-to-face ministries where they actually have traveled around and interviewed many different inner healing ministers from different streams. And it's just a great resource for learning how to both connect to your heart, but also how to pray and help bring freedom to other people. And so I thought this would be a neat time for us to connect with Melinda and just hear and learn some new strategies for connecting with our hearts. So welcome Melinda. Thank you. It's really uh, a pleasure and honor to be on the other side of the mic because I'm usually doing the one interviewing and I love both. I I'm, I'm trying to think of what I feel more comfortable doing. And I'm like, Hmm, as long as I'm interacting with people talking about stuff I'm passionate about, I can be on either end. I'm good with it. And I'm just so excited that you, Jessica are pursuing this and making people aware of the, it's not just importance, like the critical, I don't know if I want to be as strong as say life and death, but kind of at least spiritual, emotional of healing, getting our heart healed and especially making that generational impact with this next generation. So I am so honored to be here. Yeah. And it's such an honor to have you, Melinda. I know I've wanted to come to your trainings and COVID (laughs) stopped that last time traveling to Kansas city. And we're working on trying to get you here and where I'm living now in Wichita, but I just wanted to have an opportunity for us to connect with you, at least on the airwaves to hear a little bit more about how, whether we're new teachers or we're seasoned teachers or working in homeschool, private or public school, we often run into this place where we get triggered by our own memories as students, either with a negative teacher, or we get into curriculum that makes us Mm -hmm. feel stupid (laughs) or we have just one night to get ready. And we get up in front, we've got that silly kid that blurts out, you know, Mm -hmm. the thing that makes you feel terrible, or you see you're trying Mm -hmm. so hard to reach the child that is just not motivated. And I know Mm -hmm. for me walking straight into middle school, that happened for me over and over, even though I'd had some inner healing already in my high school and a little bit at the beginning of college. But as soon as I stepped into that middle school classroom, something about those memories 
just got triggered. And I love mm. Melinda, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about connecting with your heart is one of the most precious things we can do to love ourselves. And so I would just love for you to speak a little bit about the importance of being gentle with ourselves, connecting with our heart, being aware mm. of what's happening internally so that we can, like I say in this podcast so much, we want to live out the thing that Jesus already paid for through the cross. We want to live out his resurrection blood in us. Would you yeah. speak more to that? Yeah. You know, Jessica, as you're talking, a story is coming to my mind. So I'm going to go with it because I have Please. in the mind of that, if we are connected to our heart and in setting that intention, even first thing in the morning to be aware of what our heart is telling us, then throughout the day, we can live more authentically and That's we good. can live from our heart instead of living on autopilot, which is what a lot of people do. We're conditioned to, especially in the Western world to this is how we go through the day. This is, we get up, we do the same thing every day and we get disconnected from our heart and we can even approach our relationship with God that way, that it becomes this mechanical automatic thing. But a story that I share, and it really tie, of course, ties into what your question or the comment. It's a story I share at our Emmanuel approach, some of them when I feel led, when I mm -hmm. feel like it's appropriate, but it's something that is uh, when I was, I, I believe it was sixth grade, it was either sixth or seventh. And so we're talking middle school because you just mentioned middle school. Right. And of course, we know that age is like, who wants to go back to middle school? That would be nobody. But it was particularly, it was in math class. And I was, I'm a theater major. I mean, hello, math, forget it. So <laughs> I was sitting in class and the teacher and this was a teacher that I had a crush on, uh, you know, middle school girl. He was probably in his early thirties, super cute, you know, yeah. it's like, Oh, won't say his name. <laughs> I do in our trainings. Cause I know like it's not being recorded, but, um, <laughs> this was, this was in another state anyway. And he wrote a, a question on the chalkboard and he pointed at me and said, Melinda answer this question. And I froze, I went into freeze mode. So this is a wow. fear response or what we would also call a trauma response, but a fear response is we either fight, freeze or flee. And in that moment, I just froze. And I'm sure those of you who are educators or even just been educated in anything, the more you get pressure to answer something, our brain goes into that locked position. This is not helpful, you know? And he said, we're not going to move on until you answer the question. And I froze and he kept boring his eyes into me. And of course that just, you know, and shame is filling my face, embarrassment. And I started crying. And of course that is like the most embarrassing thing you can do in class. Yeah. Especially yeah. this is a teacher that I had a crush, that crush quickly dissipated. That crush was gone forever. Let me tell you right now. He ruined but it. He, he ruined it. He ruined it. But he saw that and then he kind of was flustered and moved on and said, oh, well, and pointed to another kid who therefore has gone on to be a physician. So this other stu student, Chris, like, Chris, you answer the question who answered it with no problem. Like, whoosh. and, but he went to become a doctor. Okay. Let's just look at that. Right. So that's why he answered the math. <laughs> but here's the thing. This is how that played out and how we can see a situation like that and not know the impact. And, you know, you're talking triggers, Jessica. And right. so for years subsequent to that, I was terrified of doing any kind of job that, that 
included numbers, that included a cash register, included anyone looking at me having to figure anything out mathematically. So, and how would I know? Because that was, you know, I was 12. But when I went, started getting jobs at 14, 15, 16, I was terrified of being at the front end cash register because that was math, right? It was figuring out numbers and it was in front of people. And that's what this, that's what this painful experience did. And probably 10 years, I, I, I even got a job once when I was 16 at a cookie store, which would be everyone's dream. You know, you get free cookies. Right. And I quit yeah. after the first day because all eyes are on you. People are standing in line and you have to figure things out mathematically. And I had no idea, of course, at that time that it was triggering back to this traumatic experience I had in sixth grade math class where I could not answer the question. 20 years later, I don't even know if I was praying. I just, but the Lord took me to that memory and said, first of all, well, Melinda, you haven't forgiven Mr. Fill in the blank, won't say his name. And I was like, what? And then, so I forgave him. And who, who would have thought, you know, that 20 years, I didn't forgive this person. Like, it wasn't like he Mm -hmm. beat me or something. And then even years later, the healing came on a deeper level when I found out about a manual approach, inviting Jesus into those painful places. And then I saw where Jesus was with my 12 year old Melinda in that classroom and what he told me about me, because a bunch of lies got embedded in me in Mm -hmm. that time of I'm stupid. I'll never be able to do anything in math. People are going to think that I'm, you know, an idiot, whatever those subconscious, see those subconscious lies get embedded they're not even conscious thought. And then they play like a program in your mind, in your subconscious for your entire life until you actually deal with it. And you don't even know where it came from. So a lot of people are carrying shame or low self-esteem, or maybe they're going from relationship to relationship. And it's a subconscious conditioning or subconscious pattern that is running in your back of your mind. We would also call it the back of your mind, your subconscious because of something traumatic that has happened. And I, I had no ideas. All these other lies got attached to that. The importance, the, it really is life and death because I don't mean necessarily physically life and death, but certainly in our relational connections and how we raise our kids. If I'm not, I don't have children myself, but I have people that I'm mentoring and I have a niece and nephew and I see the effects of an unhealed parent or teacher raising or teaching children. And it's a generational thing. I know we were going to probably touch on that later, but it's kind of like all, all in here. But if I'm not willing to take a look and this trigger happening, and instead of spiritual bypassing, maybe just saying, oh, I need to stop being afraid in Jesus name. I need to just bind you fear in Jesus name. I'm not saying that sometimes there isn't some demonic influence, but for a lot, I would say, because I've been in doing this a long time, it is mostly out of when we have that trigger out of unhealed places in our heart. And if we want to live a life of loving ourselves, loving neighbors as we love ourselves, then we actually have to look at our own heart first. Yeah. And otherwise we are going to get triggered by our kids, by the classroom, by all these things. And who's to say that if I went into as a teacher, went in as an adult, tried to teach sixth grade math right now, I would be triggered. Like if I didn't get that healing 
And so then what does that do to the children or to the people that are looking to me for answers, you know, or guidance? Yeah. And, and it's not that I'm saying I'm in this totally completed, perfect state, because I really don't believe that's possible until we're going to be with Jesus, but being aware of our own triggers. And I call, you know, we're talking about teachers. I love teachers. I'm a teacher, just not of children in the classroom, but I am a teacher by trade as well. And I look at triggers our teachers and this, they're some of our greatest teachers. And we often treat them as enemies because we don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel that fear. I don't want to feel that jealousy. I don't want to feel that rage. I don't want to feel that and we try to ignore it or oppress it or push it down or suppress it or using our coping mechanisms. And yet I can look at it and go, Hmm, but see, that's part of self-compassion, like loving myself and going, Oh, I'm feeling this anxiety. Hmm. Okay. I hear you. Like you would your child, right? Like a good loving parent would, or a good loving teacher would to a student in their classroom if they're sharing that they're really afraid or mad, you're going to want to know why. And we often don't treat, I'm so glad we're talking about teachers that are teaching children because we all have child parts in our heart. And it's like, are you treating your own heart with as much kindness as you do to the children in your classroom or in your home? (laughs) Or are you going, "Eh, stop feeling like that. You you're 50 years old. You're 40 years old. You're 35. You should be feeling, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, you probably don't do that with your kids. You're curious with them. And if you don't do that with your kids, you need to start doing that with your kids, not shaming. Cause if we haven't been healed of shame, then we're going to shame other people. So I know Jessica, you know, you Anna, open up a Pandora's box You just ask one question and I'll talk for 45 minutes. So I'm going to give you a, I'm going to, I'm going to take a breath and let you interject anything. Yeah. Yeah. You You know, Melinda, I appreciate the story that you shared. Cause even before we popped on today, I was sharing about how I got triggered by doing some homeschool uh, reading with my own daughter and Mm -hmm. recognizing, I like how you said it's almost like, and I'm going to throw in my own phrase, you're worth it. You're worth paying attention to what's happening in your heart. And like you said, when you wake up in the morning, paying attention to what's actually happening, that when the trigger comes up at the teacher, if, if we're feeling anxious, there's a reason that's why it's there. And so taking the time to ask father, God, why is this happening? Because I don't want to live in this place forever. Cause I would like to help my daughter learn how to be a better reader. But if I get mm-hmm. stuck every time she gets stuck, <laughs> That's not going to work for either one of us. And just like if I was still in my public school classroom, it'd be the same thing. I can't help Johnny if he keeps getting stuck and I get bombarded with anxiety or whatever feeling is coming at me, but taking time for ourselves to peel back what's really behind it, I think is the key. And so what I'd love to do, Melinda, is have you share some ways that we can start to do that. And then just so our audience knows, we are going to have a part two where Melinda is going to lead us through like a 10 to 15 minute Emmanuel approach taster. So you can feel what it feels like to go through a healing session. And Melinda and Kathy actually do offer one-on-one sessions, but the majority of their time they do spend training people. So if this is something that would bring freedom to you and also other people that, you know, in your community, this, they're a resource that you could actually fly in and they'd come and train people. And so 
I wanted to bring this today because I feel it's so important for us as teachers, like Melinda is sharing. And I want you to go into this too, Melinda, is to share about the generational legacy that can actually mm. happen when we're more free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first step you, you asked a couple of questions there and when I am feeling anxious or fearful or those emotions that we would call negative or bad, none of our emotions are negative or bad. We judge ourselves so harshly. At least I do. I don't know. Some of you listening probably can, and you know, some of our wiring, um, are, we have a tendency to be really self-critical and I have yeah, yeah. throughout most of my life. And I've been learning, I've been unlearning that program, that conditioning that I have done for a very long time. And part of that, honestly, I is being raised as a Christian because there's this standard that we're supposed to live up to. I say that in inverted, you know, in quotation marks. And it's like, I think it's an un, even an unspoken standard of we, we shouldn't feel those things. Well, you believe in Jesus. You shouldn't feel scared. You shouldn't feel anxious. Jesus says be anxious for nothing, you know, all this. And it's like, wait a minute, but he was the one who experienced the full range of emotions and he was fully yeah. human. And so when I start to feel something that feels uncomfortable, you know, such a great movie to watch is Inside Out. If you haven't seen that Disney's Pixar good. Yeah. Inside Out and mm -hmm. looking at how you can experience, honestly, you can experience 17 different emotions at once. And you're like, yeah. why do I feel jealous and content at the same time? Or why do I feel <laughs> mad, but thankful at the same time? Because you're human. But let's say I am experiencing some anxiety and I'm not even sure where it's from instead of just quoting a scripture at myself, because that's just a left brain exercise. And it's actually not going to help. It's not going to go to the core root. It may like help you feel better temporarily, but what is at the core of this anxiety or fear, whatever emotion you want to name that you are perhaps, um, we want to befriend those things instead of think that it's our enemy and just say, huh? So honestly, for me, I'll put my hand on my heart. I do that a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's just be being aware of myself. And I don't mean that in some weird way. It might sound weird, but it's like, wait a minute. I am taking, again, thinking about it. If it were your child, you'd probably touch them in some way, put their your hand on their shoulder, right. put yeah. your arm around them. And so it's befriending yourself and like, okay, let's take a few deep breaths. So even the simple act of deep breathing will resettle your nervous system and regulate your nervous system. And that's something that we're not really taught as Christians either is about our nervous system and the role. And I won't go all into that, but taking some deep breaths and just being with my heart, taking a minute. I'm like, I'm here. Okay. Hmm. And then as I I'll, I'll lead in a, in an Emmanuel moment in a few minutes, but it's that we can't connect with Jesus. If we're not even connected to our own heart into our own breath, and to our body and just settling down enough. And this, you know, it's such a cool tool because even those, as many of you teachers may know, whether you're homeschool or in the classroom, deep breathing, it's something no one will know you're doing, right? It's like covert. Yeah. And it's like, I am feeling so overwhelmed right now. I want to strangle that child. Let's be honest. Even if we would never be violent, we've had the thought go through our minds of something that we want to hit somebody, even though we never would. And you're like, oh my God, where'd that come from? Right. 
Yeah. Just actually taking. Yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) just a normal human reaction when we're so overwhelmed and we're triggered ourselves too. And so even just taking a few moments to do some deep breathing and that literally will rewire or like resettle your nervous system. And so it's good. I'm doing a lot of deep breathing throughout the day. Cause I'll find, Hmm. Or if I don't have time to like sit and ask Jesus what's going on, it's just, okay, I'm with you. Just sometimes just doing that, even with a child, you've probably noticed that they just needed a minute of your time where I'm paying attention to, and you can do this with a child too. You can do it with all of your children in your classroom. Hey guys, let's just take a few deep breaths. Pretend that you're imagining you're breathing way down deep into your belly. Will you take a deep breath with me? Like, and let the children do that. You're actually co-regulating with them, meaning you're getting all of your nervous systems into a regulated state out of that flight or fright uh, or freeze state. So you can do this with children. You can do it with anybody. And so you're just co-regulating together. Like let's everyone, it doesn't mean that all those problems are going to be solved in that moment. But if we want to solve a problem or try to get to the root of it, we can't do it when we're in that dysregulated state or in the fear part of our brain. So actually just coming down into, so I think deep breathing is, um, is overlooked in a way it's, we don't really think about it as such a simple tool Yeah, yeah. to help our nervous system settle. That's the first thing I do. And then just paying attention, like I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah. The nerve, the whole thing about the flight attendant saying, putting the mask on yourself first is not selfish. It's imperative because unless we're doing our own healing work, we cannot help anybody else. And this means the children in our class or the children at home or anybody that you're teaching or mentoring. Oh, that's really good. I know for me, I've even stepped outside of my classroom and taken a couple deep breaths, but I really like the tool of inviting the kids to do it with you. And depending on the age group, you could just do it differently. Even if you had Mm -hmm. high schoolers, (laughs) but I like that whole, the co-regulating thing of like, Hey, we we just give yourself some space, some time for a second Mm -hmm. to almost as a sign of, we could even call it, look for me, prophetic active. I'm going to let all that anxiety out, but I'm gonna let Jesus just come and show me, or like you said, put it to the side and then take care of it later. Cause sometimes we can't do it when we're in the middle of a list or things to do. And we are teaching at the same time, Yeah. but just letting him, okay, I'm going to hand this over right now. And I'm just trusting you, Holy spirit, that you're going to give me the direction for the rest of the day on how to handle myself, how to rest in you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. I think we're going to go ahead and take a pause here before we start part two, but I really want to encourage the listeners to join us for part two, because Melinda is going to lead us, you through an Emmanuel approach taster. And so if you are someone who you're just kind of interested in, how do I find some freedom? How do I find some peace even throughout my day? And how do I connect with Jesus? You know, we've been talking a lot about here on this podcast about keys to hearing God's voice more clearly in the classroom. How do I see kids with his eyes? You know, as you begin to get more free on the inside yourself, you will have even more impact on your children. And they're going to recognize Jesus in you even more clearly. I think we get more and more clear in the way we love 
as we get free, because we know we're loved, right? He who's loved first can love well. I know that's not a Bible saying, but I think it's really true is that when we know how much we're loved, we're able to love even in a clearer way. And our kids feel that. Yeah. Yeah, Let me just add to that, Jessica, that Jesus did say as a command, love your neighbor as yourself. And if we think about that, and like, I don't feel like we've taken very much time to like, as a, as a, just a, as Christians, I don't mean today, but we haven't taken much time today either, but just in general about loving myself well, and we could start in that, just that simple, when we start feeling an emotion that we would deem as negative, being gentle with ourselves, being curious yeah. Yeah. about that, being curious, think about your heart as you do your children yeah, and how you would treat them that you're, you're worth it. And you're worth the time you're worth it. And, you're and worth Jesus paid for us to be free too. Yeah. So we might as well pick it up. I really, yeah. really like that. And just so you guys know today, if you're interested in more of what Melinda Wilson and Kathy little have to offer with face-to-face ministries, you can find them online. You can look up their podcast on your, on your favorite podcast channel. Is there anything more that you would speak to that Melinda before we stop part one here today? Yeah, I think, you know, we mentioned briefly about the generational impact and like, listen, guys, gals, ladies, gentlemen, guys is such a California term, I guess, but we (laughs) can't lead anybody where we haven't been. And I have seen, and, and I bear witness to, and and this happens with spouses too. Like my husband is this and that and the other, or my children, but the person we, we can only do our own healing and we can't want someone else's healing more than they want it, but we can look at ourselves and focus on ourselves. And I have seen over and over again, and I have several friends that this is happening to that, that as they get more healed, their families noticing they may not know why or what's happening. And it's making an impact this, of course, healthy people beget healthy people. And so then my style of leading or teaching or sharing is getting more and more whole, getting more and more healed. Then of course, this is how I'm going to, what do we see this? We, it doesn't take much. We can watch any TV show and you see the pattern of, well, the drunk father hit his children and that child now gets drunk and hits their children. We see it. This is just, it's obvious. It That's what happens because children are watching and they're getting modeled like, well, this is how we respond to conflict. We hit or we run away or we freeze or we give the right. silent treatment or whatever. That's what they're taught because the parent, that's all they knew. And so then what happens? Those children grow up have their own children and model the same unhealthy behavior, toxic behavior, because that's what was modeled to them. So the more I get healed, my children, my peers, my spouse sees me getting healed. It starts changing who I am, how I behave. I'm becoming more of who God designed and created me to be. And of course they're impacted. So they're saying, oh, this is how mom deals with conflict or anxiety or fear. Oh, this is a healthy response. Yeah, And then yeah. 10 years down the track, 20 years down the track, they're having children. They're going to model that same healthy behavior. And it's absolutely imperative that we do our own work first, just yeah. like, again, the airplane, because if I don't put it on myself first, I can't save my child next to me. Yeah. I have to do the work myself first. Yeah. Myself first.
yours. So we want to encourage you to pick up the tool, the opportunity to do that hard work, to take care of yourself so that you can have even more impact on your kids and your students, your families and our cities. Thank you for joining us today, Melinda, and we look forward to part two. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. Please be sure to rate, subscribe, and share with your friends in education so they too can be strengthened and encouraged in living their kingdom identity out loud in this pivotal hour. And please subscribe to be the first to hear about my newest resources, in-person and online events, and receive my inspiring bi-monthly newsletter by subscribing to speakingwordsoflife.com forward slash declarations. And be sure to find me on the socials at Speaking Words of Life number four educators. Speaking Words of Life for educators. Until next time, don't forget you're a world changer and what you do every day is changing lives. 